you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Ruth, found on page 262. It's one of those little books, when you haven't read the book of Ruth for a while, it's hard to remember where exactly in the Old Testament it is, but hopefully over the next couple of weeks you'll, you'll remember. Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judea went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Melon and Chilion. They were Ephorites from Bethlehem in Judea. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. They, they lived there about ten years, and both Melon and Chilion died, so, the women, um, so that the women were left without, with two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughter-in-laws to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she, she was with her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. For it is exceedingly bitter for me, for your, it is exceedingly bitter to me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, "See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law." But Ruth said, "Do not urge me to leave you or to return." From following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. 
Some years ago when we were still living in Indiana, I remember one summer that was really dry and really, really hot. I think of for like June and July, there was probably only one rainfall. That's how dry it was. And, and you could tell it was dry. The, the, the trees looked bad. Um, they started toward the end of summer just dropping their leaves without the leaves even changing colors. Um, the grass was brown. The flowers were drooping. Um, the corn on, on the stalks, um, they, were, they were dwarfed. Um, they never really grew, um, again, because there was no moisture. There was no water. And yet, I remember at the end of that summer, taking our dog for a walk in the, in the neighborhood, and when I got on the other side of the parkway, I was surprised by what I saw, because there was a, a, a pear tree, and the tree looked really bad. It had almost no leaves on it at all, again, because of the drought. But what surprised me about it was three of the branches were full of blossoms. Again, this is the end of summer. Three of the branches full of blossoms. And it was such a surprise. And I guess I read up on it that sometimes when a tree is stressed, it'll do something like that. But still, what a surprise in the middle of that drought to suddenly see that beauty on that tree. Like you could say they were, they were daring to, to bloom despite, despite the drought. And that's how I picture the book of Ruth beginning. Like you could say that it's a, a flower daring to bloom despite the difficulties, the hardships that this family was, was facing. As our story begins, we're told there was a drought, there was a severe famine in the land. And because food was, was scarce, Elimelech decided to take his family to Moab and, and to live there. They, he did this because apparently Moab wasn't suffering the same drought that, that Israel was. But things didn't go as Elimelech planned, and it wasn't long before hardship followed him, even there. I want to begin a sermon series this morning on the book of Ruth. And especially this morning, I want to focus on four different responses to the hardships that this family was facing. And some responded well, and you can see faith, strong and powerful. And for some of the others, faith is weak. And we'll notice that as well. And hopefully as we study their response to hardship and trials and tragedy, that we also might be encouraged to look at our own lives and our own faith and to think about how we normally respond as well. Setting, setting of our story is during the time of the Judges. If you remember how the book of uh, Judges ends, it, it, it's kind of a sad commentary on what was going on in Israel. Chapter uh, 21 of, of Judges, uh, verse 25 in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's what was going on during the day, the, the time that this book took place, the story of Ruth. We're told up front that, that God's people were not focused on him. Apparently, God wasn't their first love. They had turned away. They had gone to the other idols. They had done what was right in their own eyes, and it, it clearly showed. 
And what's sad, though, is because um, God wanted to bless his people. They were his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. He wanted to take care of them and give them good things. But because they were disobedient, because they had turned away, God allowed them to experience this famine, which is never pleasant. But clearly it was sent to them not to punish them, but out of love so that they would return back to him and put him first. And so with this background in mind, let's look at the first character, which we saw was Elimelech. And while our passage doesn't say a whole lot about this man, yet I think it does tell us enough to get some idea of of his walk with the Lord. Elimelech moved his family to Moab when uh, there was drought in the land of, of Israel. Now, at first, it seems like Elimelech is doing a great thing. He's taking care of his family. He's providing for them. There was no food in Israel, so he went to a place where there was food. But we have to remember, this wasn't God's will. God's people were were given this drought so that they might be, their eyes might be turning toward him. When you're standing at the bottom of the well, sometimes the only way you can look is up. And that's, I think, where God wanted the people of Israel to be. In that position, so that they would look up at him. The problem is, though, that the drought eventually followed them. And because Elimelech wasn't walking in obedience before the Lord, it didn't go easy for him. Now, Elimelech's name, it means, my God is king. His very name means, my God is king. And Bethlehem, as you, as you well know, I'm sure, or most of you, um, it means the house of bread. And so you can just imagine, as Elimelech goes to this new land and people ask him what his name was, he told them, it's Elimelech, my God is king. It was a reminder to him every time he told people that. My God is king. It's my very name. And when they ask him, well, where are you originally from? As most people will do when you meet a stranger, he had to tell them, I'm I'm from Bethlehem, the house of bread. Again, that would have been a reminder to to Elimelech of, of what he had left, of what he had given up. Nowhere in our text do we hear Elimelech asking God for permission to go to Moab, to take his family away from the promised land. I think you could say that that Elimelech was doing what was right in his own eyes. He was doing what was right in his own eyes. Instead of enduring the punishment, trusting in God, believing that God, even in the drought, will take care of him and his family, will supply all their needs, Elimelech instead chose to do what was right in his own eyes, just like the rest of Israel. Again, that passage at the end of the book of Judges. Instead of throwing himself on God's mercy, asking God for forgiveness, Elimelech runs away with his family. Kind of reminds me of that time that Abram and Sarai, remember when they went down to Egypt and they got into all kinds of trouble, especially with, with Pharaoh? If only Abram would have trusted in the Lord. If only Elimelech would have trusted in the Lord. His family wouldn't have had to go through all this. 
And our passage says that, that while Elimelech and Naomi, they came to Moab full, Naomi now stood before God very empty. I think you could say she was feeling desperate. I don't want to be overly critical of Naomi yet. Look at the glimpses of faith that we see in her life. And she's the next one that we're going to be looking at. First, after her husband dies, instead of immediately going back to, uh, to Bethlehem, we're told that she continues to live in Moab. When she does decide to return, it's only after her, her sons die. It's not out of conviction that this is what it means to walk in obedience. But she went to Bethlehem because she heard that the drought no longer existed there, and because things were hard in Moab, she decided to go home. In verse 20, when she gets to Bethlehem, she even tells the people they're not to call her Naomi, but Mara, which means bitter. She says, because the Almighty has made my life bitter. She says, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Clearly, she thought, she knew that it was God himself who who were throwing these hardships, these roadblocks before her. Again, so that she would return home, so that her family would return home. You have to feel for Naomi. Her life couldn't have been easy. But instead of like her, instead of uh, trusting in the Lord through all this, she was like her her husband, Elimelech. And uh, she was only focused on herself and her family. And I think it's clear that because of the hardships that she received, losing her husband, losing her sons, that her her daughter-in-laws were childless, made her bitter. And when bitterness fills our hearts, it has a way of pushing us away from the Lord, dividing us. Like you could say that bitterness sickens our souls, and it invites emotions like resentment and anger. This not only cripples your faith, but I think it can also make you physically ill. When you have that kind of anxiety, that kind of bitterness, that kind of depression in your life, it's hard to respond. It's hard to, it's hard to have that, that closeness with the Lord, that fellowship, because our lives are so filled with all those emotions that are, are pulling us away from God. And so as Naomi travels back to to Bethlehem, I think you could say that it's also a journey for her to discover her first love, to rediscover who God was and just how much that that he loved her. must have been difficult. Back then, women, they they didn't have very many rights, especially women in a foreign country. Uh, The Moabites, they didn't like the Israelites, because of what happened when Israel first came into the promised land, kicked them off their land. There had been enmity between those two for quite a while. And so Naomi knew that it was time for her to leave. Another approach 
To all this tragedy, it's, it's seen in Naomi's daughter, Orpah. Not Oprah, but Orpah. Let's keep it straight. Not only had she lost her husband, but again, she had to live with the shame of being barren, being without children. And back then, that was a big deal. It was a big deal not to be able to bear a, a, a son or a daughter for your, your family, for your husband. And as Orpah stands with her mother-in-law on the road that would take them to Judah, she really has a decision to make. She could follow the gods of her youth, the gods that she had grown up with. She could stay with family, her friends, or she could leave it all, leave it all completely behind and go with Naomi to a new land and to serve a new God. For, for Ruth, I should say. And, and, and for Orpah. But it was still, it was a moment of decision on that road. And I can almost imagine her looking both ways. Looking back and remembering all that she has and what's awaiting her and looking forward to all the unknowns. And we know from our story that she turned back. She turned away from the Lord. That she decided to follow a man-made idol rather than the one true God. She was willing to trade the blessings of Yahweh for the supposed blessings of a God that required that you sacrifice your children to them, to him, in order to be blessed. But before we point the finger, I think we need to look at our own lives, at our own faith, is our faith rooted in God? Are we trusting and, and obeying in the Lord? What's our motivation for following the Lord? Is it because of who he is and that he deserves our, our worship, our, our praise? Or do we follow him because of what we can get from him? That he's the source of those gifts that, that we are blessed with. I think we all need to ask ourselves that. What is our motivation for following God? Is it out of our love for God, or is it out of our love for the things that he gives us? Orpah, she followed Yahweh as long as it benefited her. But when she was given the decision, she decided to turn back. When her faith was tested, she turned back. I remember when we were living in, in New Mexico, um, one day my wife and I took the kids' pinyon nut picking, and um, pinyon nuts come off of a pinyon tree, you got to do it at a certain time of the year because normally those pinions are all encased in this sticky sap. And uh, when the, the seeds are ripe, then that, that sap loosens the seeds and the, the pinions will, will, will drop out. And I remember we, we picked a whole bucket full. And uh, I think you could say a, a, a pinion tastes a little bit like a, um, oh, another, another kind of nut. Um, Pistachio, thank you. <laughs> it, it tastes a little bit like pistachios. And so we, we brought this bucket home, and, and we started to go through it. My wife and I, and, and one thing we noticed right away was the, the, the nuts that the kids had picked, they were old nuts. Um, they weren't fresh. They, they must have been from the previous year that were, had still been in those, those sticky pods. And 
And when you crack those pinions open, yeah, there was nuts there, but it was all shriveled up. You could tell the sun had done its job, the heat, the winter, and there just wasn't much of a, a kernel left in there. I think, again, our faith can be a lot like this. There's faith. We have faith. But sometimes, because of what we go through, the heat of summer, of winter, going through times of drought, it has a way of shriveling up our faith. And instead of, and instead of you and I being able to uh, refresh those that come into our presence, we have little to give them because our faith is dry. When people come to you and, and look for the fruit of the Spirit, Sometimes a lot of it is missing, again, because our faith is so weak. Because our faith is withered and and dry. Because we haven't learned to trust and obey and to do things God's way. See, we like to do things God's way when it makes sense to us or when it works out for us. But God's asking us to walk in obedience whether we like it or not, whether we know why or we don't know why. He wants us to be obedient to his word and live for him. But our passage gives us one last example, and that's, that's Ruth. And this stands in contrast to Naomi's bitterness and Orpah's disbelief and Elimelech's disobedience. Suddenly we find this woman with faith. Now, she too had lost her husband. She too was childless. And what's amazing about our story is that despite all that, despite her homeland being in Moab, she was willing to leave everything in order to go with with Naomi. Why was she following Naomi? Clearly, they had a close relationship. Naomi and Ruth were the, the closest. But even more than that, She had no idea how they were going to make a living in Bethlehem if they returned home. They were two widows. And yet she was still willing to go, partly out of her love for Naomi, but I think even more than that, because she trusted in Yahweh. She had put her faith in him. And that made all the difference. She was willing to go on this journey. She was willing to leave everything that that she knew in order to follow the one true God, Yahweh. I think what's also amazing about her is we see this incredible peace and serenity that that just seemed to fill her. She wasn't focused on the trouble, but she was focused on God. And I think you could say that she was willing to say, the Lord gives and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's really the choice that she was facing as she stood on that road leading to Bethlehem. Again, it's not a choice of whether she's going to follow Naomi or not, but it's a choice of whether she will follow Yahweh or not. She has to make a choice. Does she really trust in the Lord? And clearly she did, because she was willing to go on this this journey. 
What a difficult thing to do, though, to leave everything you know, your family, your friends, all the places that you, you knew that you grew up around. I mean, home is home. But she was willing to leave all that in order to follow, in order to follow God. Listen to these incredible words she says, verse 16. Where you go, saying this to Naomi, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Can you hear her faith? Her quiet trust in the Lord? She didn't have all the answers. She didn't know how this was going to turn out, but it didn't matter. because She knew that Yahweh was watching over her and would take care of her. Her life... Naomi's life, it was in God's hands. It says, Psalm 139 says, When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's trust. Throughout the book of of Ruth, only two names for God are used. And that's the name El Shaddai, which means sovereign God, and the name Yahweh, which is God's covenant name. A covenant God who is faithful, a covenant God who wants only the best for his people. A covenant God who's ready to forgive and accept back home those who return to him because he's full of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And because of his unfailing love, there's hope. For the sinner, there's forgiveness for those who return home. This is true for us as well. There's hope, there's forgiveness, there's mercy, there's love in the arms of Jesus. He's the only one who can save us. Verse 20 concludes by telling us who this hope is. It's Jesus, our high priest. When you have this hope and your sins are, are forgiven, you can do amazing things for the Lord. You can leave your past, you can leave your sins, you can start over. You can become men and women of faith because of who you are in Christ. Because you know that you're not walking alone, but God is with you. See, God wants each of us to be like those blossoms on that pear tree. Despite the drought around us, despite the lack of rain, despite you fill in the blank, God wants us to bloom where he's planted us and to be the aroma of Christ Jesus. And I have you know, I did go by that tree and and took a whiff and and those flowers were, were beautiful. They were, they were full of scent. That's how God wants us to live our, our Christian lives, just like that. So that those who come to us will, will smell the aroma of Jesus and, and through a friendship with us, through exposure to us, just by watching our lives, that our, our lives will point them to the one true God, to the one who loves them so much that he was willing to die on the cross for their sins. Some of you are in a difficult place right now. Your lives are hard. It's, it's difficult. 
to bloom where you've been planted. But this morning, Jesus is calling you to trust in him, to see beyond the drought to where Jesus is standing in control, sovereign and mighty, to Jesus who has promised us over and over, I will be with you always. To the very end of the age, it's where Jesus' last words, I will be with you. You don't have to be afraid. I will be with you. Even in the drought, you don't have to be afraid. I will be with you. So that you can bloom where you're planted. We have to see beyond the drought. And the only way we can see beyond it is through eyes of faith. Eyes, eyes of faith that have looked back and, and remember God's faithfulness, which gives you the courage to look forward. And despite all the unknowns, it's okay. Because you know that God is there. God will walk with you. You just have to trust in him. And when we do that, then we become trees that are planted by streams of living water that bear its fruit and its and its season, and all that it does, it, it, they don't wither, because God is providing and supplying all their needs, all our needs. Bloom where you are planted. This is God's call. We need to be men and women of faith, men and women who respond to the trials that come our way, not by being afraid, not by acting like the world around us, not by sending some message on on Facebook or texting our our frustrations, but just trusting in the Lord. We've got to do a better job at that. Some of those texts and emails that we send off about what's going on in our world today, they, they lack faith. They lack trust in the Lord. And we can do better. We need to be the kind of men and women that God can use that trust in God with our lives, with our dreams, with our abilities, through the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. May we bloom where we are planted. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the example of Ruth. Lord, of her faith, of her trust in you, despite all the unknowns. May that same faith be evident in our lives. And may it be a witness to those who know us, especially to the lost, that there is a God who loves them. A God who loved them enough to send his one and only son to die on the cross for their sins. Father, we pray that We will bloom where you've placed us. And may it bring you glory and honor. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.